Our Old Testament reading is taken from Isaiah chapter 62. I will speak out to encourage Jerusalem. I will not be silent until she is saved and her victory shines like a torch in the night. Jerusalem, the nations will see you victorious. All their kings will see your glory. You will be called by a new name, a name given by the Lord himself. You will be like a beautiful crown for the Lord. No longer will you be called forsaken or your land be called the deserted wife. Your new name will be God is pleased with her. Your land will be called happily married because the Lord is pleased with you and will be like a husband to your land. Like a young man taking a virgin as his bride, he who formed you will marry you. As a groom is delighted with his bride, so your God will delight in you. On your walls, Jerusalem, I have placed sentries. They must never be silent day or night. They must remind the Lord of his promises and never let him forget them. They must give him no rest until he restores Jerusalem and makes it a city the whole world praises. The Lord has made a solemn promise, and by his power he will carry it out. Your corn will no longer be food for your enemies, and foreigners will no longer drink your wine. But you that sowed and harvested the corn will eat the bread. And praise the Lord. You that tended and gathered the grapes will drink the wine in the courts of my temple. People of Jerusalem, go out of the city and build a road for your returning people. Prepare a highway, clear it of stones. Put up a signal so that the nations can know that the Lord is announcing to all the earth. Tell the people of Jerusalem that the Lord is coming to save you, bringing with him the people he has rescued. You will be called God's holy people, the people the Lord has saved. Jerusalem will be called the city that God loves, the city that God did not forsake. The second reading is taken from Psalm 96 and is verses 1 to 13. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name, proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvellous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of nations, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due to his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. 
Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Then all the trees of the forest will sing for joy. They will sing before the Lord, for he comes, he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his truth. Good morning. Thanks for the invitation to come and speak today, and congratulations on your Eco Church Award. Nowadays, I am a volunteer, not just with Arosha, but also with ZSL London Zoo, where one day a week I'm a keeper in the Bugs House. Don't knock it. At this time of year, there isn't a better place to be. They're the only keepers in the zoo who wear shorts. One of my jobs is to collect the mosquitoes from the trap and identify (laughs) the species present. We know what diseases can be carried by which mosquitoes. So by identifying the species present, we can identify possible disease threats for the animals and respond accordingly. Many animals are responding to the changing climate, often by moving away from the equator. While we celebrate the arrival of many new species carried to our shores, we can also expect in due course to welcome malaria, carried by mosquitoes, to arrive back to the UK. Maybe my trap will be the first to record its arrival. Meanwhile, My brother has given up pig farming. One of the reasons for that was the increasing incidence of disease carried by insects moving northwards and the necessary restrictions increasingly placed on his operation. Migration is rarely out of the news these days, with human migration often in the headlines. There are a variety of causes forcing people forward, conflict being just one. Many poor are dependent on their environment, but the rising human population in the developing world is putting pressures on the environment at the same time as that environment is undergoing changes, with the weather becoming increasingly unstable. The ten hottest years on record have been since 1998, with the hottest being 2016. However, that is not an even increase. The nearer to the equator you are, the greater the change. In the temperate regions, we have only seen slight change. The nearer to the equator, the greater the change, and the greater the need to adapt. Rising sea levels with heavier rain are causing severe floods in Bangladesh where much of the population live near the coast, while severe mudslides in the Philippines before Christmas killed over 200 people. This week, mudslides in California at the time of writing 
have killed 18. The poorer countries lack the resources to be able to respond to catastrophe, yet perversely, they are often in the front line. Some experts predict that the next world war will erupt over access to water, which might sound fanciful, but only a few years ago, when, with the rising human population, Ethiopia broached plans to dam the Nile, Egypt immediately announced that should such steps be taken, then they would go to war. In Kenya, Arosha is working in the Arabuko-Sokoki forest, one of the last remaining coastal rainforest areas in Africa. Primary education is provided by the government. Secondary is paid for by the families, if they can afford it. People living in the forest are poor. The only way to escape continued poverty is to get a secondary education for their children. To raise funds, they destroy their environment to sell the assets contained within. Estela Simiu, a former Arosha trustee, said, the rural poor depend directly on the natural resource base. This is where their pharmacy is. This is where their supermarket is. This is where the do-it-yourself store is. This is, in fact, their fuel station, their power company, their water company. What would happen to you if any of these things were removed from your local neighbourhood? To counter this, Arosha is promoting ecotourism as part of a solution, with visitors and others being encouraged to support educational bursaries to give children a secondary education with over 300 children so far supported. Local people service the industry and education facilities, sorry, education initiatives, help the people recognise the value of their environment and to live sustainably. Good scientific work is also carried out to both prove the uniqueness and value of the area and to enable Arosha to engage with the government to protect it. Our sister organisation, Climate Stewards, works directly to mitigate the effects of climate change in the developing world, raising funds by people offsetting their carbon footprint, enabling them to support schemes that benefit the environment, the people, and mitigate against climate change. In Kenya, they're selling at subsidised prices solar lighting, water filters, and fuel-efficient cookstoves. For example, these latter can replace traditional three-stone fires and, by comparison, reduce the amount of wood used by about 40%. This means that pressure on local resources is reduced and trees that would otherwise have been cut down are left standing and absorbing CO2. The cook stoves bring health benefits because the stoves burn hotter with less smoke and the remaining smoke can be directed outside of the living space in which the stove is used. Time is also gained because the firewood that is collected, typically by the women of the village, lasts longer, leaving more free time for other productive work. The makers of the stove claim that one of their stoves over its lifetime reduces toxic emissions by up to 70%, 
saves up to $280 in fuel costs, saves up to 1,300 hours of time, and that up to 33 trees are saved from destruction. In Ghana, since 2007, over 33,000 trees have been planted on 15 sites. Climate Stewards works with local people to identify sites and the trees to be planted, giving employment in growing and caring for the trees. 90% of the trees are native, while the remaining 10% of trees provide income, such as mango, cashew, oil palm and citrus. However, why should we care? Let's start with the clincher, because the Bible tells us to. Some verses. There will always be poor in the land. Therefore I command you to be open-handed towards your fellow Israelites, who are poor and needy in your land. From Deuteronomy. Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they have done. From Proverbs. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. From Luke. And finally, the king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. From Matthew. Your mission partner, Tear Fund, along with Christian Aid and CAFOD, to name but three, all think we should. All three development organisations recognise a need for Christians to care for the world's poor and in common with other relief and environmental organisations are working on holistic solutions involving a care of the environment and the people that live in it. In India, Arosha is working to reduce conflict between elephants and villagers while the Zoological Society of London, the charity that runs London Zoo, is doing the same in Thailand. Similar projects, just the motivator that is different. Meanwhile, in Peru, on the Tierfan website, is the story of Miguel, who has a clear vision for his work with poor farming families in Cajamarca to give people hope and help them stay on the land of their birth. Life in rural Peru is tough. Malnutrition and food shortages are rife. Climate change is making things worse. Farming families face big challenges, says Miguel. Seeds and soils are changing, so practices need to improve. Miguel works with Tier Fund, Parto, sorry, Tier Fund partner, Warmis, to teach farmers better techniques and trains women and children in skills that will help them generate reliable, sustainable incomes. This work brings joy and hope. People can sow and be happy on the land where they were born. 
Miguel, his wife Miriam, and their two children are the perfect example of what can happen when Christians decide to live sacrificially in community and serve God by reaching out to the poor. I feel that this work is fruitful because it is God's work, he says. Your church's support of organisations such as Tear Fund and the Cambodian Hope Organisation demonstrate an awareness of the need to be involved overseas. But I hope that unlike my church, it has the active support of the whole church community and not just a dedicated few. So, if we support these organisations in their work, that is sufficient? Christian Aid and Tear Fund are partners in EcoChurch, while CAFOD runs a similar project for the Catholic Church. They all see a need for the church to be engaged holistically as well. Your EcoChurch Award acknowledges your environmental credentials as regards your buildings, land, worship and teaching, lifestyles and both global both local and global communities. By doing so, you demonstrate your love for God's world and in seeking to influence the lives of the church members themselves to be more aware of their own relationship with the environment and influence the community in which God has placed you. So is this unique? Certainly not. The council requires you to act individually, requires households to be environmentally aware and recycle. You are also encouraged to take a reusable bag when shopping. But do you comply because you are told to do so or to avoid spending 5p or because you care for God's world? Increasingly, we are being asked to take a responsibility and an interest in both our community and the environment. Apart from a moral responsibility, why should we be concerned by problems overseas? The answer is that globalisation means we are already deeply connected. On Christmas Day, we didn't eat Christmas pudding. I hang my head in shame. But instead, we had strawberries. As a child, there was a small window of opportunity when mum would send my brother and me off on our bikes to the neighbouring village to pick strawberries. I always thought the farmer missed a trick by not weighing us as we both entered and left the field. The journey home was always more difficult. The Christmas Day strawberries came from Egypt, while a visit to my greengrocer showed wonderful veg from around the world, papayas from Brazil, bananas from Costa Rica and Colombia, kiwi fruit from Italy, oranges from Israel, and apples from everywhere. More than two-thirds of the land needed to produce the UK's food and feed is based abroad, meaning 64% of the related greenhouse gases are emitted on foreign soil. 
Since 1986, the size of this land has grown by 23% to match increasing demand, with associated CO2 emissions rising by 15%. But equally, we have to recognise that whilst this import trend saddles developing countries with environmental damage, it facilitates economic development through international trade. Scientists believe the increasing reliance on foreign food could also make it increasingly difficult for the UK to become self-sufficient, whilst it has been suggested that by the mid-2040s the country will only be able to produce enough food to feed 53% of its population. At the start of this talk, I mentioned migration. People migrate to the developed world, seeing it as the land of opportunity and plenty. Yet, we are uncomfortably aware that we are living beyond our means. If all people lived as we do, it would require several planets to sustain us. Can we continue as we are? And what do we leave to the next generation? We need to take steps to live more sustainably. Once we know where we are, then we can take meaningful steps to do so. Today, your church is introducing you to WWF's Carbon Footprint Monitor, which can be accessed on the church's website. Click onto Mission, then EcoChurch, and in the middle of the page, you will find a link to the Carbon Footprint Monitor. It's probably not too easy, but it's just below the... One, two, three... Well, the fourth paragraph... First of the blue lines there. Okay. And then the monitor itself. This is easy to complete. It took me under five minutes yesterday. However, if like me, you've just returned from a trip to New Zealand, the results are uncomfortable. The monitor shows you how you are performing against the UK's 2020 target and suggests ways you can consider improving. For those of you who can't have access to computers, there is a printed sheet on the way out. Please do collect it, but please do have a go on that monitor. Some of you might have heard of the Cheshire village of Ashton Hayes. In 2006, a group of men sitting in a pub decided to see if they could make the village carbon neutral. Their work over the years has made the village world famous. But there are two stories that I would like to highlight. They did a carbon footprint monitor for every household in the village, then published the results anonymously. One man was horrified. His family's results were far in excess of everybody else's, mainly because he took several trips a week to the Netherlands on business. He took the results to his company. 
On being challenged, they introduced video conferencing and other measures to reduce the need for travel for all their staff. The company reduced their costs, the man spent less time travelling and saw more of his family, while his mates in the pub were delighted that he was now able to stand his round more frequently. <laughs> One of their big detractors was the publican, until he got an electricity bill, which he brought in demanding to know how he could reduce it. The resultant question he was asked was, why did he turn his ovens on two hours before he needed to? The answer was that that was what he'd always done. That resulted in a change of behaviour that knocked 25% off his bill. Do try the monitor. We are increasingly realising that, that what we do affects everybody else. We do live in an interconnected world. However, where there is despair, we bring hope. As Christians, we know there is a future for God's world. Your individual actions may seem insignificant, but multiplied by the millions like you who are taking the same steps, we can change the world. As Isaiah said, the nations will see your vindication and all kings your glory. You will be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will bestow. Amen. Simon, thank you very much indeed. Let's pray.